0: What is prayer? Stale tradition? Ritual? A good luck charm? Part of some religious checklist done to appease a higher being so we can get what we want or at least avoid the lightning bolt. Prayer has been redefined and twisted and confused. But at its essence, prayer is simply talking to God the God who spoke the universe into creation, who gives us life and breath, who holds all things together. This God wants us to talk to him in the vastness of all that exists. He actually cares about us personally, individually. How can we not pray to such a loving God wherever we are? How can we not thank him for what he's done or cry out when we need help, when we need forgiveness, when we're afraid, when we give thanks for our blessing or question where our next meal will come from? Why would we live a life apart from him? It's not about formula. How could any posture or well-chosen word impress the author of time and space? It's simple obedience. God has made Himself available to us. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to trust in Him, to acknowledge our dependence on Him, to draw near to the One who loved us first. Approaching with confidence because Christ has torn away the veil. He's washed away the sin that kept us from His presence. And we live in relationship with our Lord. And so we ask that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. That is prayer.
1: And amen to that. As always, there are several things going on in our church family that I want to bring To your attention. First, let me say thank you for those of you who moved closer to center to make room for other people that are coming in um, just a little later so that they can find a seat. It's super, super helpful. But several, several weeks ago, we started an initiative called Bless Every Home. We encouraged you to download an app that reminded you to pray for your literal neighbors by name. Now, we have an indication of how we're doing in that. When we started, we had 36 lights, which represents homes that have committed to pray for their neighbors. And at that point, we had prayed... 4,455 times for our neighbors by name. Now, today, ignore the date on the bottom left. That's not accurate. Uh, but now we have 157 lights who have downloaded that Bless Every Home app and now have prayed 17,005 times. The message for us is: as we wrap up this season and series on prayer is pray for those around you that God might posture you to bless them and introduce them to Jesus. And so continue to pray for their neighbors. Download the app. It's a great, great tool. Um, As I mentioned, we're wrapping up a series on prayer, but next week we begin a brand new series walking through Paul's letter to the Galatians, which is a whole group of churches in a particular uh, region. Super excited about that. So you can begin this week reading Galatians. Imagine if you decided, I'm going to read all of Galatians every week for the next 13 weeks. I can't, I can't think but know that you'll be blessed if you chose to do that. But be ready. Get ready for that new series. Re-engage. Re-engage is a 14 week marriage enrichment program that we believe is for every single married couple, young, old, tough situation, life is breezy situation, just wanna go next steps in marriage. It's for everybody. We're so committed to enriching every marriage in our church family that we want every couple in our church family to go through reengage by 2027. Every couple. So if you haven't done re-engage yet, Now's the time, you can register for that, get more information about that online. Lastly, uh, Christianity Explored, which has been a part of our church family for some time, was on hiatus, is now back. This time around, it's a seven week trek through the Gospel of Mark, asking some of the most basic questions. Who's Jesus? Uh, what, What does it even mean to be a follower of Christ? What does he expect of us? What does he ask of us? How do we live this Christian life? Um, It is meeting on Wednesday evenings. You can get more information online as well, but we'd love for you to plug into our church family in those ways among many, many others. Okay, with that said, will you stand with me as we read God's word with one another? We're reading 1 John chapter five, verses 14 and 15. Here we go. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Father, we pray that you bless your word as we ask every week, help us to see it, hear it, and give it feet in our life. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, my name's Danny. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. If you're new with us today, thank you so much for walking into an unknown space, perhaps for the first time or the first few times. We wanna say thank you so much for joining us for worship. If you would do us the honor of letting us know that you're here today, you can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash connect. You can even do it on your device right now. I'll give you permission uh, to do that. Not that you need my permission. Um, But let us know that you're here. We'd love to make a connection with you at a later time. Our mission as the First Baptist family is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And we want to get better at that. And we have to do that together with one another. And our hope is that you're praying that way in your own life as we partner together as a church family to be a part of what God is doing, his movement of the gospel in this city and all the world. So we have been in a series on prayer for 13 weeks. And so how in the world do we summarize a series about prayer? Well, my hope is, my hope is in the course of these 13 weeks as you've been reading on your own these texts and as you've been studying in Bible study group the same text, you've been receiving them via sermon during worship, that you've been encouraged, uh, that you've been reminded of the truths of why we pray and how we pray and that perhaps your prayer life has changed. Uh, maybe you've developed a new rhythm of prayer. Uh, Maybe you've developed new confidences or been reminded that we can confidently go to the Lord in prayer because of the work of Jesus. But it would be all for naught if we went through a whole series on prayer and nothing changed. I mean, that's why we do this. We preach, we go to the word of God, we are in community so that we can look more and more like Jesus. And Jesus prayed like, no other. So, hopefully, this series has been an encouragement for you. It has for me. Um, I, I've always carried a lot of guilt and shame about my prayerlessness. Um, and I have found renewed confidence that I can trust in the grace and work of Jesus. It's not about me. And that has given me confidence to grow. But one of the practical things that has changed in my own prayer life, coming off that model prayer in Luke chapter 11, um, Father, our, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, I've been using those actual words more and more in my own prayer life. And I kind of give them a different shape. Father, I, I know you're in heaven. Would your name be hallowed in my life? In my family, would your name be great? And so I've literally been using those words in my prayer life more. That's how it's changed in me. How has it changed in you? But hopefully you have found the courage and the grace to pray more, to get serious about real life kingdom business that's happening all around you. Hopefully you've been encouraged to rest in God's promises through prayer. I, I said that prayer is rest. It's intended to be rest for us as well. It's, it's a way to hand off the burdens that we carry to much broader shoulders. Hopefully you've been encouraged to do that more. Prayer has been about finding our own way or our own voice in the midst of a very broken world, including our own sin. In that growing in prayer, we find our way by clinging to the promises of God and coming to him. And we also know that in this prayer life, this rhythm of prayer life, that through Jesus' We are part of his undoing of the curse of sin. And that's awesome that we get to partner him in that way. Bottom line is prayer, prayer is to be a way of life for us this side of eternity. This communion, regular communion with God, it's serious, it's, it's something that we do in wartime, in the midst and the heat of battle, and it's also a place where we find our best chance for rest. Hopefully you've been encouraged in this series. Well, today we're in 1 John chapter five. We've been going all over the scriptures and we end in this little epistle written by the apostle John to this small church. And this church was experiencing some really gut-wrenching loss. There had been, we don't know exactly how many, there had been many, that were falling away. They were leaving the faith because they were beginning to think different things about who Jesus was. They began saying things like, well, Jesus wasn't always the son of God. He wasn't born as the son of God. You know, when he was baptized, maybe the spirit of the Messiah descended upon him, and, but that same spirit left when he was crucified. They were saying some really twisted things about who Jesus was. And because they no longer identified with what the apostles had been teaching, they left. They left the faith. And you can imagine, this created a lot of hurt and tension and confusion in this little church. Can we trust what has been told to us about Jesus? Uh, what are we to do now? So many that we knew and loved have left us because they have chosen to walk away from Jesus the Messiah. There was a lot of discouragement and confusion. And so John, being the pastor, shepherd that he is, wants to help them, those who are remaining, reconnect with what is real and what is keeping them holding on to Jesus. He wants to help them, despite the losses, despite the heartache, to hold on to Jesus and to follow hard after him as his children. So more than anything, John is encouraging them. If you read all of First John, he cycles through two major teachings over and over again. Uh, John's letter is kind of like, he does it like this. He starts somewhere and he'll move on to another topic Then he'll come back and hit it again and hit the other one again. He does this over and over again and it seems that there are two major teachings that John wants to encourage them with over and over again. He tells them one, he says, you are children of God. He's trying to voice their confidence. You're children of God. If you're a children of God, will you remain in the light, walk in the light? And what he means is, I want you To not just love Jesus, know Jesus, but obey Jesus. Walk in the light as he is in the light. The second major teaching that John um, says over and over again is that that obedience is most clearly expressed in how you love one another. So over and over again, he says, if you're children of God, you'll love one another. You'll love one another. This is an old and new commandment that was, that was given to us by Jesus, love one another. So he hits those over and over again and twice in the span of five chapters, he cycles through a teaching on prayer for these children of God. He does it first in chapter three, verse 22, and then here that we just read together. Chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. But to really get us to where we're going in those two verses, uh, we're just going to go to the beginning of chapter 5. There are three, two major contexts here, um, and then an application. Well, maybe one major context and some applications. Um, that we see in chapter five. And the first one is that John is saying, can I remind you that we are children of God? This is 1 John chapter five, beginning in verse one. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. I've given you what is true about the son of God, Jesus When he says the Christ, it means Jesus the Messiah. He is indeed the Messiah. And when you have put your faith and trust in him, you are a child of God. He goes on in verse, finishing verse one. And everyone who loves the father loves his children too. There's that theme. Verse two, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for every child of God. Defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through faith. And who and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, who are the children of God. And so John again is reminding them, as he already has multiple times in this little letter, can I just remind you that you are children of God by faith in Jesus? Now that image of being a child of God was very intended to conjure up this sense of comfort and security. You are a child of God. You have a father who knows, cares, and has redeemed you through his son, Jesus. You are his. It was intended to encourage them, not confuse them. He wants them to have confidence in this God through Jesus that these others have left and gone their own way. And so he uses this really, really important image of being a child of God. Now, John is doing far more than just providing a metaphor. He's not saying you're like a child of God. No, he's saying you are. Uh, John is being very literal. And it's not just true for those who are reading this letter, but it's true for us that when we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the very son of God, the sent one through whom we have forgiveness and new life. And we, when we join him in this movement to remake the world, the heavens and the earth, he says, when you walk in faith like that, you become a very literal child of God with all new, brand new spiritual DNA, And he says that to encourage them. He says you can know that you're a child of God in these first few verses. You can know that you're a child of God. In verse three, loving God means keeping his commandments. He interchanges loving God, believing in Jesus, faith. Those are all kind of the same thing here. An affection for Christ, a believing in Jesus, walking by faith. Faith, he says, when that happens in your own heart and mind, something takes shape. Obedience happens. He says, you can know that you believe in Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, when we keep his commandments. Uh, For John, um, faith is not just an intellectual assent. It's not just saying, I believe this to be true about Jesus. For him, faith is, is, is not just believing, but being, obeying, following, seeking, seeking to put into action the very things that Jesus taught and did in his own life. For him, it's the, the same thing. In fact, Paul, James, John, Jesus when they talked about faith, it wasn't just this feeling or intellectual idea. It was very much a real life expression. I I believe, therefore I do. That's how faith takes shape. Faith and obedience are two sides of the same coin. And John is saying, you are children of God by faith, and that faith takes shape by way of obedience. And then he says, it is most visible, it is most visible in how we love one another. Now, he says it like this. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too, your brothers and sisters in Christ. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. I mean, both of those are just interwoven. He's encouraging this small church. You put your faith in Jesus and that makes you children like in, in a real way, a new rewiring, remaking of who you are. And that expresses itself by following hard after Jesus every single day of your life. That yeah, you trip up. In fact, in chapter one, he says, remember, you've got an advocate. You, you live your life pursuing righteousness, but you know you're gonna sin along the way and you have an advocate who's gonna come and pick you back up through whom we have grace and forgiveness. But listen, you, you, as a child of God, you, as hard as you can, you seek to listen and obey Jesus in all of life. And obeying Jesus in all of life, the way we see that the clearest is by how we love each other. That's what he says. You know your children of God when you love each other, when you listen and obey him, when you walk in the light. And that spills out into care and concern and love for one another. As children of God, when we get to these verses 14 and 15, or 13 through 15, I'll mention something about the 6 and 12 in a minute. Um, But when we get to these verses about prayer, it's in this context of having Confidence in who we are as children of God, people seeking to follow hard after Jesus every single day and seeking to love each other. That's where these verses land. So let me read beginning in verse 13. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, children of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. I want you to be confident. He also wants them to be confident of this in verse 14. And we are confident that he hears us. Just think about this. One of the greatest privileges that we have as children of God is that we are heard by the Father. And that's that's what John is saying to them. You can be confident that by faith you have eternal life, you are children of God, and that when we come to God with things to say, with things to ask for, he hears us. He hears us. Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, what pleases him? When we seek to obey his son Jesus, when we seek to love one another, that's God's will in the context of these verses. But we have this privilege that God hears our voice. God draws near to us in prayer. You can imagine a people that are probably hurt and confused, bewildered, to be reminded, can I remind you, you're children of God? And I know you're wrestling with a lot of different things. You have a lot of questions and you're fighting to hold on to the promises that you have in Jesus. Can you know, can I just assure you that as God is your Father, He hears you? He hears you. Anna and I are newly colleged parents. Now we have three daughters whom obviously we are in regular communication with, but we're in a unique situation where for the first time, uh, our oldest daughter is away from us and the primary way that we communicate is text, phone call, and FaceTime, right? But can I tell you, we we talk to that lady every day. I mean, we talk to her every day. She's calling us, we're calling her. Uh, She's texting, we're texting back. There is regular communication with Emma. You wanna know why? Because we've got that relationship. I'm her father. I'm her father. Listen, I am on the ready to hear what's going on in my daughter's life. I'm there, I'm near. I might not be physically near, but I'm near. And anytime she calls, anytime she texts, I'm there because of my relationship with her. That's what John is saying. Can you be encouraged? You're going through significant loss. You've got a lot of questions, but if you're a child of God, and I know you're children of God because you love one another and you're trying to live out this journey of faith in Jesus every single day, you're trying to obey him every day, you can be confident in the midst of what you're facing, God's near and God is hearing your voice. God is hearing your voice. That's not the only privilege that we have. We've already read this. If we're confident that he, and we're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us, notice the connection. Confidence because we're children of God, that he hears us. And because we know that he hears us, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Wow. What a privilege. John is saying, as children of God, he hears your voice. And when you ask for all the things that he wants to take shape in your life, you can be 100% certain that he is gonna advocate for you and answer those requests. Now, let me just be very careful. The context of these verses fits into how John describes what it means to be a child of God. A child of God who is one who is not just has an intellectual assent about who Jesus is, but who is in a hot pursuit of following Jesus every day. And is really trying their best to love their brothers and sisters in Christ. And I would even extend that. Beyond that, even those who are not a part of the body of Christ, who are loving their neighbors as themselves. He says, that's, that's the context of God's yeses to you, is when you ask for those things in your life, God is on the ready to answer and say yes to them. He's ready to help you obey his son, Jesus. He's ready to equip you to bless your neighbors. He's ready to shape you, help you take another step in your journey of faith. There is no greater advocate for your life to shape you more like Jesus than the Father. Now that that sounds obvious. But what that means is, what John is saying, if that's true, then we can with great confidence, we can know that he hears us, when we ask requests like that and we can know that he'll answer us when we have requests like that. It's kind of like Emma who's in a few hundred, not, I mean, less than 200 miles away. When she texts me or calls me or my wife, Anna, let me tell you, there is no greater advocate for that girl than us other than God himself. I mean, we are for her. And if she says, I'm running low on groceries and I don't have the money to go out and get more groceries, what do you think our response is gonna be? We're on the ready. I need help with this or I'm struggling with this because I'm I'm her dad, I'm her greatest advocate. I'm gonna do everything I can to meet that request that she has within reason. Obviously, there's some things I'm gonna say, ooh, you gotta handle that one on your own. But I'm gonna do everything I can because I'm for her. And that's what John is saying. Can I remind you that you, they, you don't have this distant God who's far off playing golf somewhere, but he is for you. And when you pray, you can trust that he hears you. And when you pray according to his will, when you're praying to line your life, to follow Jesus and love your neighbor, he's gonna say yes. He's gonna advocate for those things. He's gonna bend heaven and earth to make that a reality in your life. And he has. He sent his son Jesus, who died on the cross and rose victorious over sin and death so that we could have real life and our deepest needs be met and be a part of something far greater than ourselves. We have a father who hears our voice and who eagerly answers us. how has your prayer life changed? Has it given you confidence to know that you are a child of God and have that privilege? Does it give you great security that you know that God will answer those requests of help me to follow your son Jesus? Help me to love my neighbor as myself. Now, how does that work? How does that work? I think they're simple. I mean, prayer is practical because we speak. Speaking takes space and time and energy and it's very practical. And so what are some practical ways that this kind of praying can take shape in your life if it isn't already? I think very practically, we can answer questions like this that'll help shape our prayer. Is there something that God can help me obey today? Is there something that the Lord has brought to my mind that maybe you're reading the word of God and you're, you recognize that you are called to obey that word? What is it? Could you write that down? What is it? that you need God's help by the power of his spirit to, for you to obey today. In fact, I'm gonna encourage you to actually do this very literally. If you have a worship guide, we're gonna take like two minutes for you to kind of craft your own prayer as a child of God. If you have a worship guide, I want you to, to fill in the blank. Help me obey you today by... And fill in that blank with how you want the Father to help you obey him today. Lord, give me the strength to take the step of obedience that I need to take today. Uh, may your grace be sufficient for me. Help me just to, and, and it may be very, very little. It may be, um, help me call my neighbor today and ask them how their week's been going because I know that one of them lost their job. It could be as simple as that. But, right, help me me obey you today by, and you fill in the blank. The second question, in a very practical way that I can help, that I think can help shape your prayer life, is this next question. Again, filling in the blank. Help me demonstrate your love today by, and then you fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. After you fill in the blank, can I just assure you Jesus wants to answer prayers like that. He wants to answer prayers like that. It doesn't mean we don't take all of our other cares and concerns, but you can be certain that the Father will answer prayers like this. He'll help you be obedient to his son. He'll help you love your neighbor or your brother and sister in Christ. So as we wrap up this series on prayer, hopefully you have a renewed sense of confidence because as children of God, we have a a God who's not far off, but one who listens to us and answers our requests when we ask them according to his will. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word that you inspired the Apostle John to write that we now read today. And may it be just as encouraging to us now as it was to this small group of people who were just trying to follow Jesus. Lord, may we be encouraged that you are a father who hears our prayer because we're your children and you are our greatest advocate to answer prayers that are according to your will. Bless us in our journey of faith and our life of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.